Okay, so we've had some guesses come through so far. We've had David, Asa and Mary, which are all incorrect. Um, and we've had at least one for bragging rights so far. So, yeah, some more clues to go with there. Father had a dream and he spoke pre- about famines predicted- and earthquakes. Who might that be if you know the answer? Give us a call right now or shoot us a text message. Okay, and even if you don't know the answer, send your guesses through. Your guesses are always helpful because they yes. are, if nothing else, they eliminate people from the clue. All right, let's talk about text messages. And we've got a couple of interesting ones here. Um, one on your story about the uh, particle accelerator. Yes. Okay. We are going to learn for the rest of eternity. Ooh, okay. Why should we be surprised about another force? God has many surprises for us. We are going to be eternal students. Mm -hmm. I really like this. I think it's a great attitude towards eternity. Mm. So often people look at eternity as like, well, when we get to eternity, we will know everything. When we get to eternity, we can do everything. When we get to eternity, everything's just going to be handed to us on a platter. We will never work again. This is simply not true. That's rubbish. Mm. Human beings were created to work, to create. They were created to find enjoyment and fulfillment in working and learning and educating ourselves. And they're like, well, in eternity, we'll just go and ask God and he'll tell us everything. No, in eternity, we're going to go and ask God and God's going to go, that's a really great question. Why don't you go and research that? (laughs) This is my view of eternity. (laughs) So eternity. I don't have a Bible. (laughs) No, what Lyle wants eternity to look like is living in the bush in Tasmania. That's yes. that's what Lyle wants eternity Absolutely. to look like. Why would it look like anything else? <laughs> My sister's actually in Tasmania at the moment. I don't know where she is, but she's somewhere in Tasmania. I don't know how she got Hopefully down she's there. she's down south. It's the best part. Yeah. Near- <laughs> I'm just offended all the northerners. <laughs> Good stuff. All right. Uh, other text messages? Yeah, we had another one here. Um, now, this one's an interesting one. I'm going to give this one a little bit of context Ooh, okay. because I actually I know a little bit of... The person's story. Mm. Um, not a lot of the person's story, but this is about the story that we had. They've texted in on the story about immigration. Mm. So first of all, this person is an immigrant, mm. and I do know that their family comes from the Middle East. Yes. So that's that's what I know so far. And it begins by saying, I'm all for legal immigration, which mm. I am too, yeah. particularly of refugees. Uh, we need to be generous as Australians and we need to be home for legal refugees that come to this country. And we need to have a system whereby we can take as many legal refugees as we can. We can't mm. take an infinite number. I get that. We don't have the infrastructure for that. Mm. And if we took an infinite number, we would then be, um, you know, having the same, you know, they'd be coming to the same problems here that they're moving away from. Yes. And we don't want to, we don't want to create that. We want to have a good, a good outcome for refugees yeah. when they come to Australia. Mm. And I know that it's going to come with its challenges. Mm. Having refugees always has its challenges, but we need to, that's what Christians do. Yes. We need to approach this from a Christian perspective. Um, but he says, I'm all for legal immigration. It breaks my heart that so many refugees are in fact suffering and how they're being used by politicians. Um, he goes on here basically to destroy the world. Mm. And so what we do see, and this is the tragedy, is that refugees have become political pawns. Mm. You know, you think about that. They've become political pawns for both sides. And while both sides have their refugee policies, they're more important about, they're they're more worried about point scoring against the opposition than what they are 
about having a good refugee policy. And you yes. can see that in the US in both the Trump administration and now the Biden administration. Mm. They're more interested in gaining brownie points with their voters than actually helping people who need help. Yeah. It, the, immigration and, and refugee getting refugees into your country and supporting them isn't isn't uh, isn't the kind of thing that's like, oh we tried. You know, which is kind of what we're looking at in, in the United States. It's like, oh, you know, we tried. But we oh we don't have the infrastructure and all the flights got cancelled. Oh, we tried. And and I'm sure that there are people over there who are doing their best, even in the government to to oh, to bring the, these no people question. over. But it seems like, you know, from our perspective, the fact that this can't get cleared up immediately when you have all of these approved refugees that with all the infrastructure that's been created for them, that this can't be cleared up immediately. It just there is this air of like, oh, you know, we tried, we did our best, but you know, it didn't uh it didn't pan out, so yeah. Uh, ultimately, you know what we see here is is really, really unfortunate. And hopefully, going forward, we can see a change. Also, like I, I guess this is this story in the United States. I don't know how much will be say, said on it going forward, but hopefully, it's something we can track and see how it resolves. You know, if if uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, because I think it's one of those things that can be just solved like overnight, like just. A- send the flight through, mm. um, there's going to be people here who going to take care of these people. Mm. And, you know, if they've got family in the United States or if there's an NGO in the United States that puts their hands up and says we'll take care of them, send them over. And if there's no one who says they'll take care of them, just ask. Just mm. ask. There's going to be lots of people, lots of... Americans are just generous-hearted people. Yeah. They really are. On both sides of the political spectrum. Mm. Uh, they are generous-hearted people who will help out refugees and love them and embrace them and bring them into their country. And, you know, these refugees have so much they can contribute. We have seen that in the history of Australia because the history of Australia is the history of uh, immigration and refugees, you know, in mm. the last 200 years. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, the contributions that all of the immigrants into Australia have made. Mm. Along with the original inhabitants as well. You know, everybody has something really, really valuable to contribute. Okay, this was actually a fairly long text message when he just really got started on it there. Um, but it goes on to talk about globalization. It talks about socialism and communism spreading around the world, um, which are, you know, are very much a part of what is being driven by the political um, point scoring in refugees where refugees are just, you know, they've just become pawns and they're just being used. Mm. Uh, Let's pray that while they are being used, that we are also able to help them where we can. Mm. All right. Uh, Yeah, anyway, we need to move on. We've probably talked enough about the subject of refugees, we need to get to our Bible study today because mm-hmm. we've got some really good things that we need to look at in yeah, Scripture. Sure. And today we're going on to the New Covenant. Oh, yes. The New Covenant is mentioned for the very, very first time in the book of Jeremiah. Oh, let's go. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 31. So while you're turning over to Jeremiah 31, uh, we'll make a couple of observations about the New Covenant. The New Covenant is, I shouldn't say the first time it's mentioned is Jeremiah 31. Mm. The first time the New Covenant is mentioned is Genesis 3. Yes. The first time it is really given a definition, Mm. spelled out in detail. So Genesis chapter 3, yeah, you've got the promises made, the covenant is made. Yes. 
But this one really spells it out in detail. Genesis chapter 3, basically what God comes in with the covenant that he makes with Adam and Eve is, I am going to come and die for you. Mm. I'm going to provide salvation. That's That's the covenant. That's so, that makes so much sense. That's actually so simple. So the everlasting covenant between God and his people is that he would be their God. No, the everlasting covenant. Yes. I would be their God. They will be my people. But the, the new covenant is this idea that, oh yeah, in spite of you not being my people, I'll die for you. Yeah, wow. Good stuff. Yes. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. It's... It's, I'm, I'm just excited to get back into this. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, when you look at the whole story of Adam and Eve, they mm. sin. Yes. They hide. Mm-hmm. God calls for them. They're like, where are you? And they're like, uh, we're here, as if God didn't know. Um, <laughs> and then God says, okay, this is what's going to happen to this, to the, to, uh, you know, the, the, the serpent. This is what's going to happen to Eve. This is what's going to happen to Adam because of what has happened here. Mm. And then he says, um, this is what I will do. Yeah. This is how I will solve it. Mm. In your Adam and Eve haven't really said a whole lot up until this particular point. Mm. But God steps in and, you know, in the worst day of their life, God has a solution. Mm. And so that's what we find with uh, with God, that God has a solution. Mm. All right. Let's see. What are we looking at here? Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. 31. Uh, verse 31 to 33 are the verses we're going to read. So Jeremiah 31, 31 to 33, let's read what the Bible says. The Bible says, Jeremiah 30, uh, 31, 30 to 33, you said? 31. 31 to 33. 30, okay. 31 to 31. Uh, <laughs> the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, through. Uh, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. A lot of people look at this new covenant as being exclusively a New Testament. Mm. And they're like, we're under the New Covenant, we're under the New Testament, we are New Testament Christians. Yes. And so they then try and attach a whole bunch of things, you know, pretty much anything they don't like, they'll pin it to the Old Covenant and nail it to the cross. Yeah. You know, if there's anything they don't like, it's like, oh, that's Old Covenant. (laughs) Anything that they do like about Christianity, that's New Covenant. Um, Let me just point out here for a moment that Jeremiah is not in the New Testament. Yeah, wow. It is deep. Deep within the Old Testament. Mm. This is an Old Testament concept. Yes. This is an Old Testament teaching. This is the everlasting covenant. And this is an expanded version of Genesis 3. Yes. Where God says, you know, you will, the, the serpent will bruise you and I will, you know, your, you know, your heel and I will bruise the serpent's head. I'm going to, I have a solution to this. Mm. And it's interesting to look at the language. That God uses here as you come down through this new covenant. Um, end of verse 32. What kind of a relationship mm. is God proposing to have with his people in the new covenant or what we might, what we might describe as being the 
everlasting covenant. Yeah. Well, the Bible says here, they broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. That's a lot of love right there. Yeah. There's like an intimateness to it. And what kind of a wife is this that God is married to? Oh, bro, just the worst. Like humanity, like the the worst, the worst relationship partner that... And God's just like, I love this, but I, yeah. I, I love them. Mm. As a husband loves their wife. I, I, I love these people. Mm. And this is why I give my life for them. Mm. Yeah. Wow, isn't that interesting? Hey, like, oh, okay, I'm going to say something about relationships and, 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 and lol, you can qualify what I say, uh, because I am not married. So if I say something dumb, then you can, I, I'm just, you the know, words of a single person. Let's have the wisdom of, okay. the wisdom of singleness. So it seems as though for, for a relationship to be successful, like there needs to, to be those, those building of blocks of, you know, trust and, and all those things. Um, and it needs to be healthy. But one of the things that like stimulates health in a relationship is that both parties are into it as much as each other. Mm-hmm. Like, if you have one party that's keen and another party that's not, then it's it's not going to work out in the end. Um, and furthermore, like, there, there is the, you know, where, where a dependent relationship is created where one party is just completely attaches themselves to the other person and gives them no room to move and, and makes their whole life about the other person. Yeah, it, it seems as though, no, both parties need to be, for it to be successful... And to be healthy. Um, and even like the most healthy thing that can happen to a relationship sometimes is that it ends. But the only way for it to, to be healthy, um, is if po- both people are into it as, as much as each other. Um, but the interesting thing here is like God is like, as God is the husband and us as his wife, you know, that terminology, that relationship, um, that covenantal like marriage relationship. It's like, oh, we're just the worst because God is fully into it. And how did he prove it? Well, he gave his son to die on a cross. Like he died for us. Um, yet we are so flimsy in our promises. We are so unfaithful in our relationship to him. It seems as though like just from our basic human understanding, because like the thing that I just said about both parties being into it as much as the other, you know, this isn't even like, you know, this is a, a concept that yeah could be said christians but even secular people can recognize this this is just something that is inherent to life if people who are just secular people just know inherently that oh yeah both parties need to be into it to for it to be healthy and yet god enters a relationship with us the the smartest you know the the creator of the universe the infinitely wise creator of the universe enters a relationship with us the us people who are so unfaithful to him it just shows me like oh man the love of god is so much more like it even outweighs his own logic you know god has every right to just destroy us to just get rid of us like we've brought this upon ourselves yet even as not only people who have sinned and are forgiven but are continually unfaithful god is still yearning to have a relationship with us mm. that's powerful it's it is incredibly powerful mm. it's absolutely incredibly powerful and particularly when you look at the kind of relationship that he wants here because you, you know you read down through this everlasting covenant and say for instance verse 31, you know, behold the days come, says the Lord, that mm. I will make a covenant. Mm. This is God who is the initiator. Isn't it interesting? He takes responsibility. He's like, I'll start this. Yeah. I'll take responsibility. Mm. I'll get this sorted. You guys have stuffed up. Let me get this sorted out for you. Mm. Um, not only does he, does he say that, you know, I will make this covenant, 
um, with the house of Israel, the house of Judah. You know, not according to the one that you know back in the day. Uh, but this covenant, verse thirty-three. But this will be the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And mm. so God is the initiator. Mm. But not only is he the just the initiator of the covenant, he's also the one who fulfills the covenant. Yeah, wow. Because he left it up to us, it would never happen. Mm. It would it would never be fulfilled. And we've got an example of that with the covenant at Mount Sinai, mm. where the people jump up, jump in and say, "Oh, everything God has said, we will do." Yes, and obey and be obedient. And we will do everything God says. And they last about 30 seconds and they're dancing around a golden calf, maybe a little bit longer than that. But, you know, you get my point. <laughs> and they're even doing a lot more than dancing, unfortunately. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's heavy. Like, this is... This is Full-blown paganism. Like, uh, you know, when we look at that story and we you like... Because that's just a kind of microcosm situation of what is happening on a grander scale. Yes. Of people promising God and, and ultimately failing. Um, and it's like, we, we see that, that happen. That little story, it's like, it's so easy to just look over it, but it's like, man, they were right there. They were right there. How many people, how many people have said to me, I would follow God if I could just see him? If he would just show up in the sky and make himself plainly obvious, you know, I'll do everything God would say. That's literally these people. Not only did God show up in the sky for them, but pulled them out of slavery. Like, took them across the Red Sea. We're talking about the kind of, like, the figure that God is, is like, you know, that, that person who you make, you know, an, an, it's kind of like, you know, when people, they get their lives saved and like, I owe you my life. I'll do everything for you. I'll give anything for you. Like God is that for millions of people here. When we talk about the story of Exodus and yet like these millions of people who God had given them everything and they could see him failed. Within sight of God. Within sight of God. Like the he didn't, cloud is there on the he mountain. didn't even go over the hill. Yes. He's on the hill. And it's, the it's never gone, it's never gone away. That cloud has never gone. They know that God is there. That's the cloud that led them through the Red Sea. Mm. That's the cloud that defeated the Egyptians. Wow. That's mm. the cloud from which they heard the voice of God. Yeah. This is a cloud that doesn't blow away no matter how hard the wind blows. This is a cloud that glows warm at night. Yeah. <laughs> this is a cloud that gives them shade during the day. Mm. You know, a lot of people like, as you say, I'd, I'd serve God. Why doesn't he just show himself? Well, God has done that. He's like, tried that. Didn't work. <laughs> and it wouldn't make yeah, any wow. more difference today than what it made back then. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lyle? Yes. Uh... What, what's what's the deal? What are we doing? Okay, so I've got, a, I've got a text message which is halfway here, but it hasn't finished coming through yet. So um, we just have to wait for that to continue coming through. There's a there's a there's a texting bubble there. Yes, that says that somebody is about to say something. I just don't know what they're about to say. <laughs> I wanted to do it as we started back in, but anyway, we'll just come back to it um, once we get through. Okay, let's go to uh, let's go to John seventeen and verse three. John 17 and verse 3. And what I want you to do for us, Lawson, is compare what's being said here um, and with, with obviously what we're reading in Jeremiah 31, 34. Mm. And, you know, what is the key thing that the Lord does that builds the foundation of uh, our relationship? Mm. So John 17, what verse was that? 
John 17, verse 3. Verse 3, the Bible says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Okay, so this is an interesting question because sometimes I get accused um, of teaching salvation by works when I mm. say that it is necessary to have a relationship with God to have salvation. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> why? Because relationship is a work. Yes. Oh, that's heavy. No, I have been accused of that a number of times, and they say yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, salvation is just that one single solitary decision you make at some point in your life to confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so interesting that people think that. Because that's a work. You can just read the Bible. Oh, yeah, even that decision is a work. Uh-huh. And that, you know, having a relationship with God, because a relationship with God involves, as you say, communication. That's how you have a relationship. You read the Bible. You pray. Mm. Uh, you have conversations with God. It goes backwards mm. and forwards. You observe God in nature. You you observe God in worship, and you experience God in so many different ways. You build yeah. that connection, that relationship with this divine being, which is just so amazing and what Christianity is all about. And that... You know, getting up in the morning to read your Bible, well, that's salvation by works. Oof. Heavy. It just goes back to the classic thing, like, okay, you know, how how fruitful would your absolutely scandalous relationship with producer Shell... <laughs> they're married. It was a joke. It was a joke. Uh, how, 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 how lame would that be if you guys just never talked to each other? Yeah, if, if uh, we went down to the altar, signed the, uh, the marriage, you know, um, certificate... And it's like, that's it, we're done. Yeah, it's just like, oh, peace, you know. Shell's like, I'm going to Barbados to take pictures, you know. Lyle's like, all right, I'm going to go live in Tasmania in the bush. See you later. And then you tell people, right, like, oh, yeah, I'm married. Uh-huh. I have a wife. Like, dude, I'm killing it. Uh, we, we made that decision, you know, 27 years ago. Yeah. Signed it on a piece of paper. Haven't seen each other since. Yeah. That, the, in, that is a meaningless relationship. Yeah. Hundred percent, and here and, and Jesus illustrates that right here because you know let's let's look at the words of John seventeen. They're rather they're rather clear. Let me just flick over there real quick. Where was John seventeen? I had it here a moment ago, uh, right here in verse three. And this is life eternal. This is how you get eternal life mm. by knowing Jesus. Yeah, very simple. Mm. Uh, salvation is found in a relationship. Mm. With God. 100%. Okay, let's then compare uh, Jeremiah 31, 33. Mm. This is the covenant that I make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my law in their inward parts, write it in their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Let's compare that then with what the Bible says in what we read yesterday, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6. Exodus Sorry, verse 7. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, as I, you know, turn these pages. Um, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, the Bible says this, I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. Okay, so what's what's the same thought that we have coming through here? Mm, This idea of, like, knowing each other. Knowing each other. Mm. Absolutely. And God here, you know, as he says, I will be your God. I will write my law in your hearts. I will put it in your inward parts. Uh, God is claiming us as his own. Um, he's claiming us as his children. 
he is not sort of leaving us out there in the wild, you know, blue yonder just to sort mm-hmm. of exist and sit back and like, well, you know, we've got this planet over there called planet Earth. It's a little bit of a speck of dust in the universe and there's some weird things happening over there. We should wander over there every now and then and see what's going on. No, God is, I want to be involved in your life. Yes. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. You know, I've just had a thought. Maybe, like, you know, the problem that some Christians have in viewing their, you know, salvation and the, you know, the logistics of that is like, I made a decision. If I, and I don't need to have a relationship with God because he's just there and exists. Maybe it's because they view their life as if God, you know, because they have this thing here, right? At the end, it's like, you know, I will know you, you'll be my people, da da da. and you will know that I am the Lord, like the your, the Lord your God, who has freed you from oppression in Egypt. I feel as though a lot of people just don't have or recognize that experience of you know for the for the Israelites here, it's God freeing them from oppression in Egypt. They don't see or recognize the things that God has done in their life, um, and it's it's though it's like oh well. If I don't see what God is doing in my life, you know, I don't see him working in my life, then why would I need to work to have a relationship with him? Um, you know, but the reality is, is that seeing how God works in your life comes from having a relationship with him. Um, but it's not that, it, you know, he won't unless you do. You know, we see so clearly uh, many places in the Bible where, you know, God works in people's lives who don't know him, who reject him, um, you know. But the reality is, is like, man, the fact that, I think Ephesians makes the point that where you live, like where where you have been born into life, like the time period and location was predestined by God so that you could have the best possible relationship with him. You know, we talked uh, earlier about like, you know, uh, Aboriginals born 3,000 years ago. We talked about it a couple of days ago. Aboriginals born 3,000 years ago without the the privilege or the opportunity to know God because, you know, there was no Judaism or Christianity in Australia. And it's like, oh, you know, uh, do they, do they re- are they really saved? Do they have a covenantal relationship with Jesus? Well, I-, I believe that they have to somehow because God put them in that situation. That's right. Salvation is not geographical mm. chance. Yes. It is available to every single person. Yeah. Bruce texted through to say that we need God to even know what is right. True. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, Lyle. The question of the day is very similar to what we're talking about in the Bible study. How do we go in believing in Jesus when we don't even see him? Okay, we believe in lots of people that we don't see. Oh. That's the simple reality of life. (laughs) The majority of people we believe in we don't see. Ooh. And so you could say, but yeah, okay, but Jesus isn't even like a, a possibility of seeing right now because he lived so many years ago. We believe in lots of historical people who lived a long time ago. We believe in Julius Caesar uh, from a very, very long time ago. Why? Because of all of the evidence that we have that Julius Caesar lived and we see the effect that Julius Caesar has had on our world. So let me ask you this question. Has Jesus had an effect on our world? Yes. There is no single solitary person on the planet who has affected our world as profoundly as Jesus Christ. So believing in Jesus as a historical figure, that's a very, very easy thing to do. You just compare him with any great figure of the past, and he's just going to completely overwhelm all of them 
in relationship to uh, the effect that he's had on the planet. And, you know, if you look at the ancient accounts of Julius Caesar, um, you know, his history of the Gallic Wars, for instance, we've got, what, 10 copies of it? 10 ancient copies? Mm. How many ancient copies of the biographies of Jesus do we have? Like 27,000? Mm. You know, how many books have been written about Julius Caesar? How many books have been written about Jesus Christ? You know, more books have been written about Jesus Christ than any other individual who has ever lived by such a wide margin. It will never receive any kind of competition. Okay, so it's not hard to believe about believe Jesus as a historical figure. Uh, then what about um, the fact that you know we we can't see Jesus right now and we can't interact with Jesus right now? Well, I would dispute that we can't interact with Jesus right now. But let's compare Jesus with, say, Scomo. Mm. I've never met Scomo. In fact, I've never seen him. But I feel his effects. Mm. Every day, because I live in Australia, and I pay taxes every day. It's kind of how it goes. That's tough. <laughs> That's tough. Imagine paying tax. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, so, and it's exactly the same yeah. with Jesus. I don't see Jesus right now. He's in heaven. Scomo's in Canberra. I don't live in Canberra. I don't live in heaven. Mm. Uh, but I feel his effects every single day. Yes. Uh, I feel his effect simply by looking out into the world and the fact that I'm alive and the fact that there is uh, a creation that I'm surrounded with, Mm. but I feel his effects in my heart in the way that he's changed my life and the way that he's brought me to him and Mm. how he has forgiven me of my sins and how he has set me free and the grace that I receive from him and the conversations that I have with him every single day. Mm. And so you don't have to be able to see someone to believe in them and you don't have to see someone to experience them. Mm. And, you know, to get to know them even. Okay, so what's the thing about ScoMo? Do I know ScoMo better now than I knew him, say, four years ago? Yeah, I do. How? Because I hear about him on a fairly constant basis. I work in the media, so I pretty much hear something about him every single day. And so I've got a much better understanding of who he is. I know him a whole lot better than what I did before. I know more about Jesus because I spend a whole lot more time with Jesus every single day than I do with ScoMo. Mm. And so believing in and having a relationship with somebody that we don't see is not one of those difficult questions because it's something that as human beings we do all the time every day. Mm. This is not new. This is something that uh, that you know we do and experience on a constant basis. And I just want to say this. Jesus puts it this way. He's like, well, if you're wondering, just taste and see. Mm. Just try it out. See if it works. Taste and see that the Lord is good and you will never, ever be disappointed if you seek for him with all your heart. The Bible says. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.